This is the Our People and Mother Earth program on KWSO. There has been a long line of men and women who have served in the U.S. military here in Warm Springs. With that service comes a return to civilian life, and that can be a challenge. There is support available for veterans and their families. Craig McDonald and Mike Williams are Vietnam veterans and veteran advocates. They both talk about the Honor Guard and the work the Honor Guard does for families in their time of need. Well, I'm Mike Williams, and I'm a local veterans advocate here in Jefferson County, and so I'm working with Sue a little bit here to get some veterans in here and talking about their experience wherever they might have served and uh, and what their thoughts about veteranism is, et cetera. So, and uh, I've got uh, a good friend with me and, and partner in various uh, veterans groups, uh, Craig McDonald and... Uh, Fortunately, I get to serve on the uh, honor guard with him, and we've we've been here in Warm Springs multiple multiple times, and throughout Jefferson County, it's a it's an honor and pleasure to serve our veterans with that detail. I um, I've been the kind of the commander of the honor guard since the post reestablished itself in Madras. Um, Right after the post was reestablished, a local veteran passed, and we had a service, but the Redmond Post provided a couple of uh, fellows to fire the rifles during the salute and stuff, and we decided that we needed to do it for our own local veterans, and uh, my training in the Army was working on weapons, and so when the Post obtained weapons for this purpose, I was asked to maintain them and, and do it. So I got involved with it. And uh, it, if someone would ask me or told me 10 years ago that I would be doing these services, I, I would have said, you've got the wrong guy. But the more I did it, the more that I felt such a rewarding experience and a way to give back to all the veterans and the veterans' families. And there's 12 of us, and we all were on the same page to do it with the utmost respect. And uh, um, we practiced a lot. We've been asked to do various uh, flag-folding demonstrations and different things. We've uh, presented colors for congressmen and uh, served as a, a color guard for the state VFW convention one year. Um, so the honor guard for me uh, and paying respect to any veteran that passed that was honorably discharged is just an awesome experience. The post got uh, restarted in 2016, uh, so it was about mid-year when we obtained the equipment. Um, and since then, and I keep a record of every service we do, we are approaching 60 veterans locally that we have done services for. Yes, we uh, there's, there's kind of a core group that is almost always... Uh, available, and Mike is one of them. Uh, some of the members travel during the uh, um, wintertime. They're out of the area or whatever, but we, uh, and we're looking to recruit uh, some more members. We'd love to have some 
of the younger veterans join us, and uh, um, there's no requirement other than just wanting to honor uh, the veterans. Craig McDonald is a Central Oregon Vietnam veteran, and he talks about his Army service. I was raised out in the little town of Antelope and uh, went to high school in Madras, and I graduated in 1966. But I was raised around a quite a few veterans uh, from Korea, World War II, um, and it always had a huge impact on me, and I was always very interested in guns. I wanted to be a gunsmith. So when um, I was out of high school, I actually enlisted in the Air Force, but they lost my paperwork, so I waited about a year and then enlisted in the Army. And I enlisted for a specific training, which they said, you know, if I qualified for, they would guarantee it. And I did, in fact, get the training and then went to Germany, where I uh, spent a year working on guns in Germany, which was a good um, on-the-job training experience, practical experience. And then they sent me to Vietnam, where I needed all of that. And uh, I wound up way up in the northern part of Vietnam, uh, with 101st Airborne Division, and um, in the process, I was more or less forced to learn how to work on the bigger stuff, howitzers, um, and I was responsible to keep 18 of them operational 24 hours, seven days a week, along with all the small arms. Um, they flew me out in the field uh, numerous times, um, and then I worked out of a base camp. So my shop was the back door of a helicopter and back in the base camp. Um, and when I got out of the Army, I went to a gunsmith school in Colorado for almost two years, and I had the opportunity while I was a student to work for the school. And uh, so I was there from eight in the morning till five in the afternoon as a student and then worked from five until nine. And that was um, five days a week, year round. There were no summer breaks, but I enjoyed it. And I learned to do machine work uh, as part of that training. My, my personal uh, experience in uh, Vietnam, I was in a very small maintenance organization, and I supported about 1,500 small arms. I had, a, a, I had one other school-trained fellow there, and for some reason, uh, school-trained guys in that job description were pretty, <clears throat> pardon me, hard to come by. So... The experience I'd had in Germany and then um, working on the guns was something I just really liked to do. The one aspect of it that they didn't train for, I never even considered, but it was when you saw weapons that had been damaged by gunfire, they'd been shot uh, in the hands of somebody else, um, 
that was a real eye-opener, that I wanted to make sure that every gun I put back in the hands of a soldier worked, so I shot every one of them before I gave it back. I didn't want it on my conscience that it didn't work. Kind of an interesting uh, side to that, in a way, I, uh, I was involved with uh, many of the guys that were on Hamburger Hill, which um, I saw years later in a VFW magazine where they were having a reunion. So I had kept a copy of the division newspaper that recounted that battle right after it happened. And so when I was talking to one of the vets that had been on the hill and was going to the reunion, I asked him, and he lives in Connecticut, I asked him if he had ever seen the, the paper of the, uh, the count, and he said no. And I told him I had this paper, and he wanted to know if I could make a copy and send it to him, and I said no, I'll send you the original. I'll make a copy for myself. Well, he took my original paper and made another copy, and he took it to the reunion and had members of the companies that were on the hill that attended the reunion, they all signed the paper. And the, in fact, the commander of the, the battle itself signed the paper, and my paper was donated to a museum at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, along with a bunch of photographs I'd taken. And they sent me a, a, a belt buckle. And so that was an awesome experience for me, personally. I've wondered about quite a few of the guys, and this past, what, two weeks ago when the traveling wall was in Lapine, <clears throat> pardon me, I went to Lapine, and I have not been to the wall in Washington, D.C., but that was a really moving experience to go to that and just think about the sacrifices of all those people and all their families. I think that the veteran, in a lot of cases, really doesn't know how to start or where to start. And so I know Mike and a lot of other veterans that have somehow managed to get in and circumnavigate the system, uh, it's kind of word of mouth, but there's really not a... Uh, you know, the VFW Post put up reader boards around Madras with events and messages to, uh, you know, how to, to get involved or seek help or whatever. But it's kind of intimidating to walk through that door to begin with. And then, like Mike was saying, um, because I think there's such a large number of veterans looking and needing services, it's easy to get... Um, disillusioned with the the VA and and the VFW and say, oh heck, they won't they won't do anything for me. Um, but I think if you keep kind of uh, talking to the people, and eventually you, you'll you'll get to the right one, and that's 
something that also I think needs needs to be helped. And I don't know exactly a good way to get there, but yeah. uh, the the different coverages and ways you get coverages, the, the, your your qualifications based on what your situation is and so on and so forth, it is kind of a nightmare. And, and, and as advocates, uh, you know, Craig is certainly an advocate and, and helps veterans out whenever he can. And, and I go maybe a step before, uh, beyond that, and, and chase him down the street. <laughs> if, I can, if I can see that it's really an issue, you know. I have. I've walked up to him and said, hey, brother, you know, maybe you need to get a hold of the vet center. You know, when I, I see the just craziness starting, somebody blows up over something like that. I can't express enough that that we finally have a vet center here in, in Central Oregon. Uh, that was kind of an, an offshoot of what was originally happening then, which was Covo. And uh, Covo was out beating the woods and going into camps. And, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, it got enough attention that they got a vet center here going. There's an 800 number for the vet centers all over the country. I've, I've utilized them many times, called up Spokane, Southern California, when I've gotten a phone call from somebody and they said, you know, I, I think somebody might be in trouble or my spouse might be in trouble and, you know, things are just not clicking. And so I've gotten on the phone on that 800 number and called up those vet centers and actually had them go out they took their own time to go out and knock on that veteran's door and help them out, you know, and introduce them at least, you know. It doesn't mean they're going to be received well because we're still saying, uh, you know, who are you? I don't know if I want anything to do with you, you know. But between the vet centers and the veteran service officers at your county level, uh, in between there are people like us that that try to promote you know and talk with and do things with people project healing waters and uh the big the big message is you know you're not alone male or female and uh you know connect with somebody locally uh whether it's a, a veterans advocate somebody that's been around the system a little bit, call the 800 number for the vet centers, contact your local VSO. They started the American Legion here in 1950, actually, and it ran through until uh, the late 70s or 80s, I don't know when, and then it dissolved uh, actually in about 2000, the year 2000. and. Uh, so I had heard on the radio, and they had a VFW here prior also, and so both the American Legion and VFW had dissolved because, like today, it's difficult to get members in to participate, whether it's Madras or Warm Springs or wherever it is. I know AJ and Susan uh, struggle with trying to get members in, and the same thing with Tamara and Jonathan Courtney, and just trying to get, you know, get the members in to... to participate and engage, uh, a lot of that's due to the fact that, you know, a lot of us, especially young vets, when I was a young vet, I isolated. 
you know. I was recluse. I didn't really want to get involved with anything that looked like it might have something to do with organizational stuff, you know. And uh, so it took me a long time until about 1979, actually. Uh, and I, I got out of the service in 72. And there were several different things that took place. And, uh, you know, in 1985, I got involved with the Vet Center. Uh, and so it took me from 72 until 85. And I got invited in by a police officer. And he said, maybe I needed to go in and talk to the guys at the Vet Center, you know. And uh, so I did. And lo and behold, it was, it was comfortable. It was okay. I was in a group of people, peers around me that I knew had experienced some of what I had experienced, not just in country, but after being out in the, in the world. And uh, so, you know, in 85, uh, I started up there. In 87, we started with Shmawa Indian School and, and uh, started a watch fire, which was a kind of a shadow of what they'd done during the Civil War on the rivers, helping people that were injured. Didn't make any difference whether you were Union or, or uh, Confederate. You'd get help. And so we built watch fires for 10 years down at Shamala Indian School alongside the freeway. Big fires. And uh, so we did that. I was active in that for a couple years, and then I went back out on the road as uh, following my trade and that sort of thing and and came back in and and uh, so that was a real good experience but you know basically I, I just isolated it's difficult you know today to to get our younger vets in because they're just the same as all vets whether it was Korea World War II Vietnam uh, you know, they're not real excited about getting too close to anything that brings it back because there's there's some pain for some of us in it. And, uh, you know, so they don't want to visit that too much, you know. And it takes a while to find that one or two individuals that you can really feel comfortable talking with. That was Vietnam veteran Mike Williams and Craig McDonald. Please keep in mind veterans that are in your family and ones that are not. This time of year is hard for those who have served and for the family members who have lost loved ones. Check in on veterans in your family. And if you are a veteran who needs support, help is available. Call the veteran hotline at 1-800-273-8255. I am Mitchell Lira reporting for the Our People and Mother Earth program on 91.9 FM KWSO.